Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. I'm Brian Whitman with my friend, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. He is Dr. Stu. Nice to see you as always. It's a pleasure being here, Brian. Uh, I missed you. I missed you when you were sick last week. I'm glad you you're did. feeling better. You're I, looking great. I, thank you. I feel great. You, by you, the way, have been up since 1.15 in the morning. And by the way, you look great, but you you said you felt tired. So I'm not saying yeah, you Yeah, actually, I, I, I've been up since yesterday morning, although I did go to bed at 5 o'clock this morning and slept for two and a half hours before I got up and woke up this morning. But yeah, I, I'm exhausted, but I'm also <laughs> completely jazzed because... You know, when you do, when you witness what I saw last night, you can't help but be jazzed. Because what did it, you see last night? Uh, well, I saw a beautiful orange half moon as I was driving okay. uh, at one o'clock or right. in the evening last night. About, actually, it was pretty to look at. Yeah, right? actually, this was about ten thirty at night. I was heading out to Point Wayneme, mm-hmm. naval base out here uh, in Southern California, where a uh, young woman and her husband were uh, in labor, and her first baby was a cesarean section, which if you just were to dissect it down, you'd see that she just sort of went through the same usual cascade of interventions and ended up with a cesarean section that probably, in hindsight, was absolutely unnecessary. She figured that out, or at least she wanted to give it a try. Uh, so she's been seeing me through her entire pregnancy, and last night she went into labor at 41 and a half weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, oh. Yep. We just let her, we left her alone. We didn't start uh, meddling with her we didn't start thinking about induction we didn't do strange things like castor oil or nipple stimulation because nature does it right and 41 and a half weeks is as normal as, as 38 and a half weeks it's uh it's normal mm-hmm. and uh she ended up with a five-hour labor and delivered a vaginal birth in her bed at home and she had a baby girl all right and it was a glorious thing to see you the, the this is the second time i've done a v-back in the last two weeks where i have to tell you the face of the mother tells a story that is beyond something that I can even describe uh, in words or even photographs don't catch it. You just see a, a, a moment in time where she pulls her baby out by the arms. And this baby came out in the call, by the way, C-A-U-L. What does that mean? That means the baby was still in the bag of waters when it came out. Oh, wow. Which is unusual. And it's supposed to be, in my midwifery friend's world, a very special thing. I don't know exactly know what it means, but <laughs> oh, it's, it's, like it's a, very it's, rare. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, it's, it's rare. They don't see it a lot, so when they see it, it, is, it has a Yeah, the membranes quality. never ruptured until the baby was already to the shoulder length, and then the baby, the bag just slid right over the head like a piece of cellophane. So oh. you see, you, you, you described, and you said it's hard to describe, actually, the look on the face of that mom. It's different from what you see traditionally. Yeah, well, you know, again, she, she reaches down, she pulls the baby up onto her chest, and, you know, the baby's covered in usual things that babies are covered with and it doesn't matter it's right on the skin the look on her face she looks at her husband her husband's looking at her they're looking at the baby we did it we did it i can't believe we did it that it's just it, you know and and i'm sitting there with my good longtime colleague carney seymour brown who's a midwife in ventura and she was uh helping me with the birth last night and we just kind of quietly sit there and look at each other and just soak in the moment and no matter how tired you are we didn't leave the house till five in the morning and um, but no matter how tired you are, you just you, you you're jazzed. You can't go to bed right away because right. the adrenaline's running. And it's just so sweet and so nice. I wonder. And what, such a relief for her. Yeah, it's a, that, that's a uh, story beautifully told, by the way. I wonder if a lot of uh, what percentage of couples cry with happiness when they when they have their baby. It didn't. I would assume ninety percent of moms. Right, it's got to be happy tears ninety percent of the time. You know, I, I I don't think anyone's ever actually put the statistic to that. But I would tell you that a lot of times, um, it depends on the birth and the birth process itself. Yeah, right. When when a woman is on the C-section table and dissociated from the birth, 
and not feeling anything, I think the sensations are completely different and the emotions are completely different and every couple's different. They've got so many things running through their head. They've got, you know, relationship issues between the couple and they've got the feelings about what their parents did to them or what, you know, their relationship with their parents and here's their baby and now they're a parent and, you know, it's just, I, you can't even quantify what the emotions are. Mm. I love but it. But you've seen I the full spectrum. I love it when you, they cry. Yeah. Right, I sure. love it when they cry tears of joy. Right. Um, it is... It is beautiful, and it is what makes me motivated to continue to do sort of this solo, on-call, all-the-time type of birth because it's not the nature of medicine anymore for doctors to really be in solo practice or to take call all the time for their clients. I mean, there's a concierge physician. We've discussed that in a previous podcast. Right. But most doctors, especially in my profession now, are coming out and they're getting a job as an employee and they're working a shift. They work 12 hours and then they go off. And there's no continuity. So you don't even see the finished work. Well, I want you to know that today, Randy cried tears of joy when he went to Kaiser and they told him he doesn't have uh, cancer on his face. So he, because uh, he's had that, whatever that is uh, on, his, uh, on his nose, it turns out he has rosacea. He cried tears of joy at Kaiser, right? Oh, yeah. It was a real it's not the first great time moment. That you've wept there, right? No. I think I cried <laughs> tears of joy when I was born there. <laughs> okay. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> Now, something weird happened. I want to describe. Did you, but did your mother cry tears of joy when you were born? Oh, they knocked her out. <laughs> okay. He had, an, uh, uh, well, I would say it's unusual, but it's not. It's actually a typical uh, experience. And it's not just where you went. It happens in a lot of places. You have this thing that's going on, a little skin thing. Oh, and yeah. how much time did you actually spend with the doctor, Randy? How much FaceTime? Well, you know, first they bring, you know, first you're in the waiting room and they have the nurse take your blood pressure and everything, ask you all the questions. But actual FaceTime with the actual dermatologist? Under 45 seconds. <laughs> should I laugh out loud? I should. Yeah, well, it's, you look at, I mean, you know, maybe that's all he needed to make the diagnosis, but still, even, <laughs> you think he could have spent two minutes with She you walked right in the room and said, rosacea. So tell me, because, uh, you know, tell me and tell Brian, what is, what is rosacea? Uh, as far as I know, it's a, uh, it's a skin <laughs> condition that uh, affects 14 million people. It's nothing serious. It's just a, re a redness, like it comes from flushing and blushing, certain skin types. And I have to take this cream every day for the next six months, and maybe it'll go away. Now, let's talk so welcome, about By the way, welcome to uh, Rand, Dr. Randy's podcast. This yeah. is uh, Stuart Fishbein with Brian Whitmer. You can tell when the medical knowledge goes down a little bit when I'm talking. Well, no, you see, it's perfect. By the way, I'm because everybody's a doctor, right? Everybody's an armchair doctor day with the internet. I thought it wasn't rosacea because it didn't look red to me. Whatever, your blemish doesn't appear red. It looks more dark than it Does looks. Does rosacea have to be red? Is that? It doesn't have to be red. It just has to be a weird, you know, discoloration, a weird because I already have kind is of is it related skin. to sun exposure or to it's possibly alcohol consumption? It's possibly because of that <laughs> doctor, as well. Please, doctor, what it's, are you uh, suggesting? in the pamphlet they gave me because she literally said, "Here's what you have. Here's the pamphlet for it." It says we don't really know what the cause is of rosacea, but you have it. And the good news is they have cream for it. Okay, and is it supposed to actually fade and go away? Possibly. She Great. said, "See me again in four months." Uh, doctor Stu. Now wait before you get before you go off. <laughs> See her again in four months. How hard will it be for you to get an appointment? Why don't you, I mean, I heard a little bit story that it was hard oh. to get in to see the dermatologist in the first place. Well, this is my fourth visit to Kaiser, and I finally got to see the dermatologist. Because first I made an appointment to the, uh, as uh, Dr. Stu calls, the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper doctor. Right, because right. when you go to Kaiser, you have to make an appointment with your traditional staff. They call yeah, the general your primary care physician. Correct. That's right. PCP. Exactly. So you uh, make an appointment with him. <laughs> so first I make an appointment, go to the hospital, and they say, hey, uh, do you know how to make appointments online? Because you're here a week early. Mm. So I came back a week later. You didn't wait. 
No, I didn't sit there in the waiting okay, room. I right. well, It's a fair question at that point. <laughs> so, Some people might, I might have waited. So now my appointment's pushed back to last Friday. Well, were there, were there people waiting from last week that were still there? No, but I'm, but I'm already like, I got to get this thing looked at. I'm freaking out. Right. The day before my actual appointment, the doctor calls and says, hey, your primary care physician's going out of town for a month. So can you wait? Mm. And to what I say, no, get me a different doctor. I don't care. Yeah, because you know what? This is this is funny because it's really all you need from them oh, is yeah. a piece of paper saying you can go see somebody else. And I even asked online because they have the website and they say email your doctor. And I said, can you just refer me? Like, here's a, and I even attached a picture of my nose. Can you just say, I don't know what this is. Dermatology, go. Okay. They said, no, we have to actually see you. So I finally come in um, last Friday and the doctor looks at me for two seconds, says, we don't care about your nose. You have a fever. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> It was up there too. It was like one hundred two point nine or yes, something. Oh, you got you got Brian's flu. Oh, apparently. Uh, by yes. the way, perhaps I didn't have a fever. There's like a lot that. going around everywhere, but yeah, I had a pretty bad cold the last couple of days. Good now, just to let you know. Yeah. So well, you're looking good. Anyway, the uh, they finally say, okay, we'll refer you. You could go see the dermatologist next Thursday. That's today. Go to the dermatologist and sit in a waiting room for about a half hour. Yes. Sit with the nurse for about five minutes while she takes my blood pressure. Uh huh. And then the dermatologist comes in, 45 seconds later, gives me a prescription, go downstairs. And then the dermatologist leaves about 45 seconds after the initial hello. Yeah. Looked at the nose. That's rosacea. I'll see you later. Yeah. Come see me in four okay. months. Take, and she tells me, take a cream every day, twice a day for six months, now, and Dr. it Stu, might go away. That is not well, what he's described as not the Marcus Welby model that no, you reminisce it's about. No, welcome to the future of medicine. I mean, look, at, I mean, there's the, ultimately, if it's, you're just there to be diagnosed and treated, then, then it's fine. But you may have questions. Did she even ask you if you had questions or she just gave you the no. brochure and said, She gave me the brochure, the brochure and uh, was on her way because I didn't even get a chance to ask her, how did I get this? Now, I don't know whether that's, I don't blame the particular physician because I think that, and, the, and by the way, Kaiser for Obstetrics is a pretty good deal, but, but the system is- Oh, yeah, Kaiser, free baby. The system is- <laughs> I think that's a slogan on the brochure, right? It says Kaiser, free baby, right? Thrive. Oh, it's thrive. thrive. It's the other, that's thrive. right. I forgot. Yeah. The, the, sy the system is set up so that <laughs> okay. these doctors are, don't have any control over the time of their appointment. Of course not. And I think in dermatology, because it is a visual thing really quick, they probably schedule these, these doctors to see patients every Dr. Stu, three minutes or four minutes. I have to minutes. take issue with you. I cannot believe, even for a second, that all the doctor had to look at Randy's rosacea was 45 seconds. Maybe that's all I, she needed. I, I, you know what? I don't believe it. I don't. She didn't care. Uh, you're not saying Well, maybe that. she had to pee between patients. Okay, then she should have come back and look, really. If all she had was 45 seconds to look mm -hmm. at a guy who's got a growth on his nose, or something on his face. Who's waited four months to get in. And right? she, has, yeah. she gives him 45 <laughs> Was it a minute or was it not a minute? Not a minute. It was not a minute. Okay. so now, let's, This isn't even the part that bothers me. It bothers me <laughs> as I go downstairs to the pharmacy to get this cream. And apparently my copay to get any kind of prescription is $170. Wait, I thought Kaiser was... I, I, looking at me, I don't know. I could not. I have no idea what plan I'm on. I have no idea what I do. All I know is I pay $160 a month, and when I go there for checkups, I don't have to pay. But I've never had them give me a prescription before in my life because I'm a healthy kid. This thing costs me more money than my, than my monthly bill. Yeah. Um, yeah, $170. Yeah, I, I got nothing to say because there's so much wrong with healthcare right now. And, you know, some things do cost money. I just can't believe that this particular medicine, there isn't a generic form or something else that would have been a little bit cheaper This than is that. the generic. 
Maybe you he know, hasn't. I mean, we're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Where's the little, where's you the gotta, little Fred, Flintstone, where's the Fred Flintstone's footprints? Because we <laughs> got to get, yeah, we got to get, all leave. There we go. We're going, we're going to something else. No, so he, yeah, so so Randy got the generic cream for $170. The rosacea should go away. 46 seconds with the physician there at Kaiser. I mean, come on. Can you, can you, can you sell the leftover cream on the street? I, I wonder What's what the street, the street value is of antibiotic yes. topical cream. Yes. <laughs> it's it's very possible. But yeah. uh, well, at, le- at least my fears are quelled because I was walking around ever since I asked you what's up with my nose. Yeah. I haven't been able to get an appointment till today. So I've been walking around thinking I have skin cancer. Yeah. Well, so, I, and, well, I haven't, you know, I don't know skin very well, but I'm certainly happy for you that it's rosacea. And yeah. not no, you didn't. Else. You you said, I don't know anything about skin, but you should get that looked at. Yeah. Right. And uh, then I've had people like Brian come up to me and said, Dude, you should really get that looked at. And turns well, out I'm not. In 45 a seconds, you got it looked at. The doctor at. came up to me and said, "You know what? You should really get that looked at." <laughs> so let me let me back up for a second, but let's talk a little bit about the gatekeeper thing because that's sort of one of those things that maybe a lot of people don't understand, or maybe they actually do, and this is what's coming. But the whole system of the gatekeeper is designed for one reason and one reason only. And would you guys? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, no, I, uh, please tell us. It's the, the gatekeeper, keep, obviously, the term we're referring it's to. That's to keep the first. You, it's to make it harder for you to get through the system. Right. Because what's the point? Mm-hmm. What's the point of you seeing the gatekeeper and then him just, is he actually going to tell you that you can't see a dermatologist? No. You know, I mean, is he going to accept responsibility or liability for that? No. Of course he's going to do that. So, you know, they have this gatekeeper system. They think it's going to save money. I think what it is is, is sort of a, a, a bunch of hoops. A and lot every, of time hoops. You, every time you put a hoop up, a small percentage of people won't make it through the hoop. They'll just say, oh, screw this. And, uh, you know, I'll go pay for it and I'll go off and see my own dermatologist. And then it doesn't cost Kaiser anything because you didn't use Kaiser. And that's a kind of the route I was about to go because it was taking forever to be able to get an appointment with the dermatologist with the health insurance I thought I had. I thought it'd be easy enough to go on the website or call them and say, hey, I have something up with my skin. Can I see a dermatologist? They say, no, not until your doctor, your primary care physician says you can. Right. And this is, you know, look at, you look at uh, countries that have socialized medicine. It's the same sort of thing. You're going to get somebody who, you know, you, you have a headache and it's a terrible headache. Well, a headache probably is a bad example. You have pain in your knee. All right. You have pain. And in the United States, you have pain in your knee. You go see an orthopedist. He may think you have a, a, a ligament tear and he may send you off for an MRI. In a place with socialized medicine like England or Canada, you may take six months to get the MRI. Oh. Well, so, you know, if you're in pain and stuff like that, you're going to just go off and maybe pay for the MRI yourself. And then everybody wins because the government doesn't have to pay for it. The people who have the private MRIs are making money. And let's talk about and that, Dr. So the system Stu. doesn't necessarily hold, hold water there. The paying for it on your own, what about Obamacare, or the uh, so-called Affordable Care Act, will eliminate the ability for somebody to do what you just described? Where's, and that is where's go- the affordable in all that? Well, no, no really. What, 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 what about it removes from someone the ability to go out, as you've described, and pay for it on their own. There's, there's nothing in the Affordable Care Act that is banning people from paying for things on their so own. So they still be able to do that. Yeah, there'll be two. T- I mean, it's two-tiered health care, and eventually when you do get to single payer, it will absolutely be two-tiered health care, but there'll always be that. There'll always be people who can, you know, who can drive a Cadillac and other people who will be driving a beat-up old Chevy. Right. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be, and you cannot legislate that out, and, and nor, nor should you. Um, people who are total egalitarians are going to hate what I just said. They're going to think it's not fair that somebody has something better when somebody, not everybody has something down here. They'd rather bring everybody down to the lower level. But, but if you've got money, everybody you pay for the best health care. Yeah, sense. and Obamacare, or, uh, the Affordable Care Act does not prevent anybody from doing what we just talked about. Right. Yeah, they can go out and they can pay their own money, and the system wouldn't care because it's not costing the system money. 
So sort of there's a built-in sort of if you delay things long enough, you're going to lose people who can't take it anymore. Some, by the way, are going to die. Yeah, there's All that right? too. You Some know? people can't wait three weeks for an appointment. That's right. They're going to have something that needs to be seen sooner, and they're going to die before it happens. Um, not to mention any specific organization, but I've had women who've been diagnosed with a what's called a blighted ovum, where they've come in when they're about eight weeks pregnant, and they do have an ultrasound, and there's nothing in the uterus other than an empty sac. No fetus has ever developed. What they often tell them is that they'll set them up for a, a procedure called a DNC, but they wait a couple of weeks. They'll, they'll do it in two weeks. Well, half the people before those two weeks are going to go on and miscarry it themselves in their bathroom at home. At oh. And, you know, then, then, yeah, it's okay. And a lot of my patients might choose that given informed consent, but they're not even given informed consent. They're just told to wait two weeks. And if they miscarry before the two weeks, then the, uh, the organization has saved the money from having to pay for the operating room and the DNC and the anesthesiologist and all that other stuff. You mentioned a moment ago, Dr. Stu, informed consent, which is something that's come up a couple of times that term. And I was on your blog, of all things, reading uh, your blog. You can go to drstuspodcast.com. So you're my one reader. <laughs> He's the reader. Yeah, yeah, more than that. If you're listening on the website at Dr. Stu's Podcast, scroll up and down. You'll see the blogs. You'll see the links. You can see a lot of the it's YouTube. It's a direct link right to all his blogs that you write yourself. Yeah, and the, and the YouTube. Yes, yes, they do not have a, a mystery You don't have a ghostwriter? No ghost blogger. Ghost blogger? I do not have a ghost blogger. <laughs> but someone, uh, a, a uh, I don't know if it was a, a, a client uh, of yours, a patient, she wrote there, uh, you had given a talk, she said, thank you for what you said about informed consent. And she wasn't the only one. There seemed to be a number of folks there who responded to whatever you said when you said it, apparently not too long ago, about informed consent. I know it's one of your big issues. Yeah, I, I gave a talk uh, at the Holistic and Natural Baby uh, Exposition down in Long Beach last week. And uh, my talk was called um, Informed Consent at Quandary in 2013. And I just talked a little bit about the difference between true informed consent and skewed informed consent. And true informed consent is when you give people the, the, the true risks and benefits of a procedure or a medicine or whatever. Now, again, you were given this prescription for the medication, Randy. Mm -hmm. Were you told any downsides of the medication? None. You were told anything of the benefits or the risks of the medication? No, just See, use this and it might work. Correct. So this is somebody who's giving you actually no informed consent, which is, <laughs> which is I'm, well, actually no informed consent is probably better than skewed informed consent. When I say skewed informed consent, I mean giving people information to funnel them down a path that you want them to take. Mm. In, other, in other words, if someone has, say, a, a vaginal, you know, a previous cesarean section, mm -hmm. which is my, you know, what, I always go back to obstetrical topics, and you tell them, and the only thing you tell them is that, you know, well, people who have a, an attempted vaginal birth after cesarean, sometimes the uterus will tear or rupture and the baby could suffer an injury and have brain damage or die. Now, if you told a woman that, and that's all you told them, of course they're going to pick the safer route, which is a repeat cesarean section. That's skewed form consent because you're not telling the risks of cesarean. You're not telling them how common it is. You're not telling them the problems if you want to have three or four or five children. You're not telling them any of that stuff. That's skewed informed consent. True informed consent is telling somebody the risks, all the risks and all the benefits of all the options. Now, it's really not possible to do so. Mm. For, for instance, if I were to give... It's quite a volume of information. Yeah, obviously. say somebody wanted, say the dermatologist wanted to do a biopsy on your, on your nose, all right? And she wanted to give you some lidocaine, to, which is a numbing medicine to mm. you inject in before you do that. Right. Well, do I have to tell you that there's about a one in 500,000 risk that you could have a allergic reaction to this and die? I mean, do I really need to tell everybody that, that the, the, here's the risks of lidocaine, here's the benefit? I mean, at some Considering point... Considering all the hypochondriacs in doctor's office, it might... 
cause some heart attacks. Right. So you can't always give true, true, true informed consent. Brian, how would you, you give selectively OCD deal with hearing that fact? Well, no, that's interesting to me. It is interesting because Dr. Stu is just said there that they're right. The one in 500,000 chance. So it's so limited so that you're really not going to tell the patient that because quite frankly, if you were going to endeavor on disseminating all of that information, the sheer volume of information is too time consuming to disseminate. Is this what you're saying? Yeah. Well, you can't really do it in 45 seconds. Right. 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 It'd be pretty tough to do that. Right. Now, if you're sitting in the office and you hear one in 500,000, do you start thinking you're the one? Yeah. Well, yeah. well Brian does. Of right. course. Right. And you mentioned a moment ago with the medications, how when they, when Randy got his cream or whatever the medication might be, they list all the side effects. You see those on television. You think sometimes, oh my gosh, I'll live with the cancer rather than the diarrhea and the 24 oh seven vomiting. Yeah. And all yeah that. that is incredible. When you watch these TV commercials, I don't, you know, I know pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies that put these commercials out want to have name recognition, and that's why they do it, and, and product uh, you know, placement, and they want to make sure you see that. But, God, if you listen to that stuff, the, the oh. 10 seconds are about the product, and 24 seconds are all about the side effects. And, it, and, and the I, guy talks so fast because he's got so much to say. Right, and he wants, he wants you really not to hear them. But I do have a question about, is one of the side effects... But at least, of, it, at least it's informed consent. Well, sort of. You know, a lot of, you know what I noticed? A lot of those kind of commercials... They're played on networks like uh, news channels that are in like gyms and offices and things where the volume's off. So all you see is the brand, the color, the logo. Well, and you don't hear anything about side brilliant. effects. This is why I ask. I mean, is one of the side effects of erectile dysfunction taking a trip to New Zealand with your wife and walking on that <laughs> meadow and holding mm -hmm. her hand and looking sort of gazing into her eyes and she looks back at you. That is definitely one of the side effects oh, of yeah. taking the well, Cialis. Actually, is actually that, would be called yeah. a, that would be called a benefit. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's not, it's not every, a risk. It's everybody a who takes Cialis books a trip to New Zealand immediately after because from the commercial, it looks like you have uh, erection problems, you fix them, and you go to New Zealand. I think there's a coupon in the Cialis bottle for, for, for a flight to New, to New Zealand. Zealand. Brian, I'm going to ask you. I, I'm not making it up, folks. You notice the commercial. Every guy who has wiener trouble fixes it and goes to New Zealand. What yes, are right. the actual side effects of Cialis, Brian? I don't know. Yeah, I, I did dabble in recreational use of, of Cialis. Did you have an erection that lasted longer than four hours? Uh, actually, no, no. It's like three and three. Every man's dream. Isn't it every man's dream? Well, you know, I I did, but no, I did, but, oh, but Randy's shaking his head. But now. but after five minutes, I want it to go away. No, not four hours. But I used to dabble back in the. Well, that's because uh, that's because you're alone. Exactly. <laughs> Why, right. Why waste time? Right, sorry, exactly. Right. Sorry. No, it's a it's a fair observation. But I did. I, I enjoyed it recreationally. Uh, it was Viagra. I don't even think they make. Would, Viagra would you anymore. let the lady know that you were using? No. It, or would you let her think? Would you no, do no, that? no. Of course no, not. No. Why would you do that? So you're juicing. Uh, uh, basically, well, I, I'm a magician. I'm going to tell her. Oh, uh, the dove's not really up my sleeve right now. You can't see yeah, it. You, it's in the other room. You got to hide the bottle. You got to put them. You got to put the, the Cialis into the vitamin. Right, uh, exactly yeah. right. I mean, when you're going to Honey, I'm just her. taking my vitamin. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know. God forbid she takes your vitamins yeah. the next day. Yeah, I'll take you to the magic that's show. That's fine. You I'll know take what? you to the magic that's... show, and we'll pull the curtain back so you can see how we do all the tricks. Who does that? Nobody does that. Right, nobody does that. Well, I've never considered to take performance pills, and I have performance problems. Well, see, here we go, Dr. Stu. They blurt it out at some point. You sit with a patient and a client long enough, and they're going to blurt it out. Which is why you spend 45 seconds. She doesn't have to hear any of your other stuff. But this yeah. is your 10th visit with Randy. He had never blurted that out, no. but in a moment, he just blurted it out. And now, is that common that things like that happen in the office? Uh, if you spend enough time with people. Because right. I'm really hanging a light on the fact that Randy just blurted out that he has performance Well, bringing issues. us back down to earth and, and to reality here, it is, it is something about the model by which... Midwives practice and I practice, which is to spend 
45 minutes to an hour with a prenatal visit. We were talking earlier before the show about the fact that these things are changing, that the idea of the, of the personal physician, unless, again, you're a concierge, the personal physician is going to sort of be disappearing because you're going to have the shift doctor, the, the, the shift medicine, and the doctor, there's going to be lack of continuity. There's going to be lack of specific interest in your care in, the, in, the, in some of the future systems that are, are coming out. Because no, that my doctor has no idea who I actually am. Every time introduces me like it's You mean the your first primary doctor. care doctor? Yes, yes, who I've had for six years. Right. Has no actual idea who I am. Like if you bumped into him at Applebee's, he wouldn't recognize no. you. No. Right. Okay. Doesn't know what's going on with my life, has no clue. Did, did uh, let me ask you another question. Again, I'm not trying to be sarcastic here, but did either of the doctors that you saw, the primary one or the dermatologist, make a lot of eye contact? No. <laughs> okay, because they don't. They tend, they tend to be busy with their charting. They're or, actually staring at their computer the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know, Dr. Stu, you're not meaning for this to be not funny. Not a big fan. Uh, you're not a big fan. It makes you angry. I have to laugh because, you know. This is I all I know. I mean, I'm born and raised into this system. Into this system. It's interesting how, how Randy sort of just, you know, describes that, that situation. You talk about doctors being burned out. People in all professions, accountants, uh, mechanics, people get burned out. But when your doctor is burned out because he or she has a shift that's too long, then it's, re- it's like if your airline pilot is burned <laughs> out, you pay special attention to that if your doctor's burned out you pay special attention to that yeah well you do and, and people people forget that that you know healthcare now is bandied about like a commodity but it's not a commodity all right it's not it's not an automobile it's not like well you know everyone you know if if we had uh, global warming issues everyone can drive a prius it's not the same thing i had this conversation with my accountant uh just the other day oh you We're, saw shifty did you see shifty <laughs> You, 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 right, this no, I, right. I, I love my accountant. No, he, yeah, he takes me to Dodger guy. games, yeah, so I really love him. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, but I don't want is that legal now. I wonder if that's even legal anymore. What, that he takes you to Dodger games? Yeah, I don't He's know. your friend. It's a business deduction. Can you do no, that? He, yeah, he could write those off. Okay. By the way, he knows. But the pharmacist can only give me a pen. Yeah. All right? But the, my, my accountant can take me to baseball games, but right. the pharmacy pharmaceutical company can give me a pen and a stale chicken sandwich. Yeah, that is an interesting... But, but you know, your accountant, he'll figure that out, whether he can do that. He'll know. He'll know. All you're, right, the, so, you're the doctor. He'll worry about but, that. But he was talking about this, and he's a, sort of a fan of the Affordable Care Act in some ways. And, and we were talking about this, and, and he just says, you know, why don't we just go to socialized medicine? And I said, Phil, you're an accountant. You're a private accountant, okay? You can charge... What do you charge an hour? He says... 300 bucks. I said, okay. So you charge $300 an hour. All right. Great. What if I told you you could only have 85? All right. How hard would you work? Would you work as hard for me at 85? I mean, when you're charging $300 an hour, you might want to put in 18 hours a day. When you're paying, may, being paid 85, okay, you're going to, you know, you're going to go work for H&R Block. No, no shame to H&R Block. You're going to go work for H&R Block. You're going to go in at nine. You're going to leave at five. You're not going to be staying late. You're not going to necessarily go the next nine yards because you know what? It's not you're his pay, business. You're paid a salary, right? Yeah. So well, you know, if right. you would, if you and maybe you know, maybe Phil wouldn't. Maybe he's a, a, a virtuous guy who would never change the way he does things. But human nature is such that people who are motivated will do stuff. If you take a company where everybody's a salaried employee and look at productivity and then change the company to a profit sharing company, productivity always goes up yeah, right. because people have a stake in the game. And and what's going to happen if you have socialized medicine is you're not going to have Doctors who have as much of a stake in the game, yeah, they'll be fear- fearful of lawsuits, but that's no way to live a life. But they're not going to have a stake in the game, and you're going to have a PC, uh, primary care PCP person who, <laughs> PCP. Um, who, who doesn't know you. And clearly, yeah. lies, it clearly doesn't And doesn't happen. take the time, by the way, to look at your chart for 30 seconds before he walks in the door. And Nothing. by the way, Randy, I'm not here to hurt your feelings, buddy, really. Uh, I'm not. I'm not here. And the doctor, the doctor Stu, is certainly not here to hurt your feelings, but i got to tell you something. Your doctor... 
He don't want to know you, dude. He doesn't want to know me. He does not care. He doesn't want to know you. It yeah. bothers me when uh, you see, you know, you see the same doctor every year for six years, and every year he asks you the same thing: Are you a smoker? <laughs> don't you know by now? Right. It's not charted. No. You know. Listen. This is it. Just brings up an interesting topic. I haven't. I haven't thought about this for a long time. I have a pediatric friend in Thousand Oaks who told me once that he attended a conference, and one of the things that the conference was a managed care conference, and one of the things they were teaching you is how to distance yourself from patients. And one of the things they talked about is not making eye contact, two, not necessarily have, having limited hours where you take phone calls and such a thing. And so they're actually teaching doctors how to be less personable yeah. to patients because personality and um, affection with the patients doesn't fit in to the managed care world. Right, it's like today, ladies and gentlemen, the art of disconnecting. Now, you know what I will say in just in one little defense, because I'm not trying to say I had a horrible experience today or have horrible experiences at Kaiser. Sounds like you had a great experience. Overall, yeah, the doctor's kind of a pain, never get to really see them. They don't care. The nurses are so nice now. I mean, I sit down with this nurse to go because I'm solely going to the doctor to show them my nose, but I happen to walk in with a fever the nurse looks at me, takes my temperature, and stops everything she's doing to go run to the doctor so she can get authorized to give me two Tylenol. I have a feeling that the doctor would have said, all right, here's a form. Go downstairs and wait 30 minutes before we can give you your Tylenol. Well, the fact that she did that is, is, is admirable for her. And there are, there, there are good people in, in the medical system. Sometimes they're beaten down by it. The whole idea that she had to actually go get permission to give you Tylenol still boggles my mind a oh yeah and then, and then to give me two little <laughs> children's tylenol practically right she has to read me everything that's in it she has to like are you sure you want this i'm like yes it's tylenol please when Daddy. we were kids my brother ate the entire jar of flintstones vitamins when he was like four because they tasted so good so you know that my mom i guess they weren't secured and he, he didn't just, have child protector caps in no, those of days course he that, right? ate every he, he ate bam bam and pebbles and fred and wilma and uh dino he, 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 he ate every character in the in the jar the whole thing and you know what they never made a betty rubble though they never i don't think there was a Betty. if there was one in there he ate her too nothing ever happened <laughs> nothing happened he's fine nothing happened nothing happened so i i think a tylenol is not a big deal I, I think it's good that you and the fever went away you were cared for and you're thriving now i'm thriving See, well in all seriousness though eating a bottle of vitamins would be different than eating a bottle of tylenol yeah that's eating a, a bottle of tylenol you end up with a liver transplant <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. A terrible. Uh, people at home who are listening to brian don't leave the bottles of tylenol there, laying there on might the be a little difference between uh you know the stuff that's in tylenol and children's candy vitamins quick review randy not a doctor not a doctor. brian not a doctor Dr. Stu, he's a doctor. Listen to him. He's a doctor. We're not. I'm not a doctor. Randy's not a doctor. Thanks for joining us here on Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave Dr. Stu five stars and write a nice review, too, all right? You're on Dr. Stu's Podcast.